Well, last week we started our uh, short series here in the book of Habakkuk, and I, I think it goes to right with what we're experiencing. Many of us are feeling the same way that Habakkuk felt with everything that's going on around us. Um, uh, he felt the same way, and, and so last week we looked at chapter 1, and chapter 1 really was uh, just simply looking at the place of wondering. We find ourselves in that place where we just wonder what is going on. God, what are you doing? Um, and then even within that, sometimes it's not even a wondering. Sometimes it's a straight out disagreeing. Uh, it's an objecting. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of like when you're in, in, a, in a courtroom, you, you kind of want to stand up and say, object, I object to this. This is not right. And, and that's how Habakkuk felt. In fact, he wasn't afraid to stand up to God. And sometimes, you know, we looked at that, that, you know, should we be afraid uh, to uh, admonish God or to accuse God? And, and yet we see that that is part of the process as long as it is part of that wrestling with what God is doing in us. God calls us into a relationship of wrestling. He's not afraid of our doubts or our questions. Uh, in fact, it is through many times, it's through the doubts and questions that we grow, that we put down roots, that we become stronger. You know, it's in the struggle uh, that a butterfly is able to fly, uh, the struggle of getting out of the uh, 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 cocoon is what gives him the strength to fly. And I think sometimes what gives us uh, the deep core rootedness in God that it enables us to do the things that he's called us comes from a season in our life where we struggle, but yet we embrace God, we hold on to him. And that's actually what the name Habakkuk means. It means to embrace or to wrestle with, to grapple, to hold on to. Now, uh, we talked about last week, um, just to, to uh, uh, remind us that when we are in those places of struggle, of questioning, um, uh, and some of them are light, but sometimes you go through ones that are very deep. Uh, um, you know, we all have little questions, but it doesn't bother us that much. But I, I know that there's sometimes we go through times where it is a deep life crisis. And, and when those crises comes, we talked about there are three directions that, that we have to go. Um, the first direction is there's kind of the religious direction that many of us take, especially if we've been a Christian for a long time, and then something happens that throws us off our, our uh, convictions and we don't understand. Uh, we sometimes fall back uh, to that belief that, well, I, this is just not the way it's supposed to be, so it's just not that way. And we just begin to, uh, to I'm just going to believe it's not going to happen. And, and we go into this denial of reality. Uh, we see that in the word of faith religions that say, you know what, uh, if something's bad happened, you just treat it as if it's not there. Uh, you just claim the victory and you go on as if you have the victory. Well, let's be honest with each other. Sometimes the struggle is there. Sometimes we don't have the victory. Uh, and, and in fact, that's part of God's plan. God never promised us to always have the victory. Um, there are purposes in struggle and defeat. So for us to stand up and just claim the name of God and rebuke the enemy, um, I think is it is actually an affront to God. 
Um, think of Job. If Job, when Job, and in fact, God did rebuke Job because Job uh, did that. He he said, "I'm innocent. I'm not going to accept this." And yet, we know that Satan actually had permission from God to do that. And, and so, we need to not just stand up in arrogance and, and just deny that this is happening. And somehow, in our spiritual um, uh, uh, denial, uh, we are going to do that. And yet, many of us do that. Um, we will go that direction. Uh, but when we do that, we miss out on what God is able to do because we don't, we don't enter into the struggle like God wants us to. Um, and I think when we do that, we separate us from who God really is uh, because we begin to hide behind um, our high castles. We begin to isolate ourselves into a mindset of this is just not happening and, and I'm just an overcomer and, and this... Uh, uh, is not God's plan for me, when really maybe it was. Um, so we need to avoid that. But the other route that uh, many of us go, and maybe sometimes these are the routes that, that newer Christians go, or, or those that have not been around, is that I can't believe this is God. And so we just say, God, if this is you, I don't want anything, any part of it. I, I thought you were a God who loved me. I thought you were a God who did promise me victory. I thought you were a God, and, and so we begin to just say, no, no more. And we let go of God. I, I don't want to follow that kind of God. And, and so there is the um, uh, denial of God himself in that. And, and sometimes it's a very subtle thing. Maybe we don't say the words out loud, uh, but I know many Christians that have just um, uh, fallen back into a life of uh, secular, self-centered um, focus. And even though they will probably name uh, uh, God as their belief, but yet in actuality, they just have nothing to do with it. Um, and, and so we do that because of bitterness, because of things that have happened that have, have hurt us. And, and so we begin to just let go of God. And we just, I'll just live my life on my own. Because you know what, I was, I was just as fine without you, God. And if this is what you're going to bring me, I could do that without you. But you see, they miss the purpose of those things. And again, those those struggles then do not change us and we remain in, at a level that God was using the struggle to bring us to a higher level and we never reach that because we let go when it's before it has its work on us. Well, the third way, and that, this is the way of Habakkuk, and this is the way that we're talking about, the third thing is we don't deny it in self-righteousness and we don't walk away from God in bitterness and anger, but here's the third way. We hold on to God we wrestle with it, and we just don't let go. You see, this is what this is what is sometimes seems the most unsatisfying in the in the short term, uh, uh, but yet it's the way of growth and transformation. Um, it, it's not an easy answer. It's not what people always want to hear. But I'm going to tell you, this is what God says: If you'll just hold on, hold on to me. Trust me, um, I, argue with me, wrestle with me, struggle with me, but hold on to me. Uh, this is what Habakkuk did. Um, even when it came to the point when God answered Habakkuk, when Habakkuk said, why are you doing this? And then God showed him what he's going to do, that he was even going to do something worse than that. He was going to use a people who were wicked, more wicked than Israel, to come in and punish Israel. Now Habakkuk said, that's not fair. Okay, if we're... Evil, yes, punish us. But don't use someone that is even worse than us that they seem to get off. 
And so now you are seem to be honoring uh, evil. And Habakkuk said, I thought that was not your character. How can a good God use wickedness uh, for his purpose? And yet we miss the fullness of the graciousness of God, um, that God is doing things deeper than us. So um, we see the, the purpose of that in James, and we read this last week, the, the verse in James that says, he, he encourages us to consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work, making you mature and complete so that you lack nothing. You see, God's not trying to just see how much you can bear. He is making you more precious than gold. He is, he is working things through your life so that you will not lack anything. But the route to that is not always a pleasant route. But he is willing to do it because he loves us. See, love is not taking us away from pain. Love is sometimes making the hard decisions of bringing us through that pain so that we can be better on the other side. Well, we come to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, um, uh, we see uh, the response of God when Habakkuk, again, his final wondering was, God, how can you use these wicked people, the Babylonians, and yet not punish them? How can you punish us, but you don't punish them? Uh, and, and so what do we do when we have questions like that with God? Um, we're going to see three things uh, that Habakkuk and God shows us that we are to do when we are in this place of wondering. And what it is, really, it, is, it brings us to a place of waiting. Um, let's look at the, the first uh, couple verses in Habakkuk chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch. I will set myself up on the ramparts. And I will watch to see what God will say to me and what I will answer when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered to me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that the messenger may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So we see the first thing um, that Habakkuk does, and, and the first thing that we need to do, it says that I'm going to climb up on the wall, I'm going to go up in the tower, and I'm going to watch, I'm going to look out and see uh, what God says. You see, the first thing that we have got to do is we've got to stop and watch for God. We need to listen. The first thing, you know, we do a lot of complaining. We do a lot of doubting. We do a lot of wondering. But here's the first thing after you're wondering. You need to let God speak to you. You know, it's one thing. It's okay to question God. But here's what it's not okay, to not let him answer you. 
Let him answer you. Habakkuk said, I've got these questions. And, and, and God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't agree with that. But I'm going to wait and hear what you have to say. And know what he did when he listened? He said, I'm going to go up on the walls. I'm going to go up to the tower. You know what he said? I'm going to get a different perspective. You see, we can't just sit in our own thoughts and say, I'm going to listen, and God, you better answer the way I'm thinking. Sometimes we've got to allow ourselves to get a different perspective. Because when God answers, many times it's from a different view that our hurts do not allow us to see from. So we have got to, in our questioning, if we are honest with our questioning, now if we're just being hateful and angry and accusing, then we're not going to hear from God. But if we are truly, honestly questioning and seeking and, and really want God, we need to be willing to step out of ourselves and say, God, you speak to me and I'll listen. I will truly listen. Not listen. You know how many of us listen? We listen already thinking of how I'm going to answer, right? When we're in an argument with someone, we're not really listening to what they're saying to us. We're just preparing our next argument. Um, and so we miss what they're saying. God says you need to stop and listen. Truly listen. Let him speak to you. And you know what? God wants to speak to you. You might say, well, God has never spoken to me. Have you really listened? You see, God will always answer us. Now, sometimes it's not a right away. Sometimes it, it is through the process of us getting to the top of that tower um, and so sometimes we have to go through some, some working in ourself before we can hear him. So many times we think, man, it just seems like he's never talked to me. Well, we need to ask, have we taken the proper preparation to get ourselves in position to hear him? Um, uh, Habakkuk said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up on the ramparts. I'm going to go up in my tower so that I can see uh, from a different perspective and I'm going to listen. And when we do that, Sometimes God listen, uh, speaks to us like Elijah in a still, small voice. Sometimes there's just something within our own spirit that just clicks, and we just feel a, a, a connection that God is speaking to us. Some people hear God in an audible voice. Um, I don't think I've ever heard God in an audible voice. I have had a, an experience uh, in prayer where it seemed like it was a specific voice in my head, and it was almost like I heard him speaking in my head. It was not audible physically, um, but it was, it was clear. And sometimes he does that. Sometimes he will speak to us clearly um, uh, in, our, in our heart, in our mind, or even audibly. Um, but I'm going to tell you, most of the time, this is how he speaks to us through this great gift that he has given us, the word of God. You see, most of the time, he's going to speak to us in the word. And so sometimes this is the rampart we need to climb up to to get a different perspective. We need to say, God, I'm going to take time to get in the word. I'm going to quiet myself and be disciplined and get in the word. And maybe it's not the first day that he speaks to us. Maybe it's not the second day. But as we read and we let the word speak to us, all of a sudden, a verse will come to us and say, and the spirit in our heart, we'll say, this is what I'm saying to you. He speaks to us through his word. But again, only if we allow it to say what it says and not 
what we are wanting to hear. You see, if you read the word just looking for what you want, you'll never hear it. But God says, if you will truly listen, he will speak through his word. Um, many times he'll speak through circumstances. You know, we want God to, to, to answer us. What should I do? What do you do? And a door will open. And then we're saying, God, what should I do? He said, the door's open or the door's closed. And so the circumstance answers us and speaks to us. But again, it will always be confirmed through the spirit and through the word. Um, sometimes he'll speak through us, to us through other people in the body of Christ um, or even outside. Um, he will use other people to speak to us. But again, it will be confirmed through the spirit and through the word. So no matter how he speaks to you, I'm going to tell you, it needs to always be confirmed by the word of God uh, in the principles of God. Maybe not a specific word, but the principle that someone speaks to you, the principle of a circumstance will always lead you in a principle that is confirmed by the word of God. You see, sometimes you may not like what he says. Habakkuk didn't like what God told him, but he knew where he was. He knew what God was doing. See, sometimes when, when we question God, what we really need, God, are you at work? And he'll tell us what he's doing, and, and it may not be what we want to hear, but I'm going to tell you, when you know God's at work, you can trust it. You can relax, knowing that there's a purpose behind it. Yes, it's painful, but there's a purpose, and God knows what's going on, and he's aware. It's like in Job's life. That was not fun for Job. But you see, the purpose for that wasn't even for Job. And I'm, I'm saying the purpose of your struggle may not even be for you, but it may be for the glory of God. You see, Job struggled so that God's glory would be proven to Satan himself um, and to the world. Uh, there are things that God is doing that's not always about you, but yet we know that God's at work. Um, the second thing, God says, and he told Habakkuk, now that you're listening, I want you to write it down. He said, I want you to put it on tablets. I want you to make it plain uh, so that the messenger can take it to others. And so I think the, the second thing that we need to do as we struggle with this wondering, as we listen for God, as we stop and listen, then we need to document what God says. Um, whether you're a writer, uh, you know what? Uh, some people are not, but I'm telling you, we need to try and, and bring that discipline into our, even if it's, maybe, maybe it's not writing in a journal. Some people love to journal. They'll just journal uh, what God speaks to them uh, uh, in pages and pages. Maybe it's just as you're going through the word and God speaks to you, you're just going to take a red pen and you're just going to circle that word so that it is marked, it is documented. You know what it becomes? God is saying you need to make this an anchor. What I'm telling you, you need to, to know that you can look back and remember that. Uh, see, throughout uh, 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 the plan of God, he has had people set up memorials because there's something about remembering that we are bad at, as humans. We need to document it. We need to do something so that we remember what God said. You know why? So we can look back and say God's word was true. We need to remember. That's why Jesus gave us communion. 
That every time we take the bread and we take the cup, it says you remember what I did for you. And you remember in a, in a vibrant uh, way that makes a difference in your heart. We need to document it. And, and so whatever you do, when God speaks to you, you need to do something uh, to document that, to anchor it in your heart. I encourage you to write something down, to write in your Bible. Do not be afraid to write in your Bible. That Bible is there so that you can just bring it to life. Um, I, I know there's many times, and I don't do a lot of writing. Um, I've done it at times, and I, I, I need to get back to it. It is really a discipline that, that I know makes a difference because there's times where I've been going through my Bible, and I'll come to a verse that I don't remember when I did it, but I marked something, and I wrote something in the column. I'm like, and it just, it just reminds us. I'm like, yes. Wow, that's a point that, again, it brings out what God had said at one point in time. And it brings us back to that time when God spoke to us. And then it strengthens us. It becomes an anchor when the winds blow that it holds us because we know that God is true. But look at it. He also said, as you document it, maybe it's not by writing, but you need to tell someone. You need to give it to a messenger so that they can share that. You know what? As we share with one another... As we begin uh, to document it with one another, we can remind one another. And when we get through with it and God does what he, what he said he would do, then we can look at each other and say, I remember that God told us that. And we can remind one another. And there is not a forgetting of what God has done. And sometimes, you know what happens? Because we don't document it, we don't write it down, we don't tell someone. When it happens, we think it was all us. You know, I've, I've seen people make mission pledges. God, I'm only going to give as you provide. Well, then six months later, God brings in a, a check that was out of the blue. But you know what? They've forgotten about that pledge that, God, if you'll bring it to me, I'll give it to you. Well, God brought it to them, and now they thought it was all about them, and, they, and they've forgotten. Um, and that happens in many times. I mean, how many times someone sends you to the grocery store? And I know Michelle will agree with this. And you didn't write it down. You get there, you only had two things to get. You come back from the store and you only got one thing. You didn't get the one thing I sent you for because we didn't write it down. God says, when I speak to you, document what I've said. This is why he's given us the word, that it's documented, that we can read it, that we know it, that we can find that foundation of faith in that. Well, the third thing that God says he says, I want you to wait. This is probably the hardest thing. Sometimes you got to wait. In fact, most of the times you have to wait. If you have questions of God, you need to be willing to let God work it out. And that takes time. You know, a lot of times we'll give a lot of things. We'll give money. We'll, we'll, we'll give things. But giving time is the hardest thing because you know what? We are used to instant gratification. I want it now. I want, okay, I've done this. I've done what is called for, A, B, C, D. I want the answer. And yet it doesn't work that way. It's not a microwave. It's more like a crock pot. You got to put it on and it simmers and it works and it boils and it works into our life. You see, God says you need to wait. And here's what he says. He says, you need to wait because I will do it. He's, God answered him and said, I understand what, you, what you're questioning me. I understand what you're saying about the Babylonians, but I will punish them. 
I'm using them now against you. But look at you wait for it. I'll make it right. This is what God's saying. I will make it right, but you've got to wait for it. I'm doing other things in the meantime. And so many times we just have to wait. We've listened. We've documented. Now we've got to wait. Now, when we're waiting, that does not mean that there's no action. See, many times we think waiting is just sitting here twiddling our thumbs. Okay, God, I'm waiting. And I know we've been doing a lot of that, right? Right now, some of you are getting bored in your houses, just sitting around. You can only clean the house so many times. Uh, We're just waiting. And yet, that's not the waiting that God says. You see, we are waiting, and he's not answering, but, but what does someone who waits do? In other words, if you're a waiter, what do you do? A waiter serves. He's waiting for the food, you know, that's why they call them waiters, because we're sitting at the dinner, we make our order, we're waiting for the food. But while we're waiting for the food, that waiter serves us. He brings drinks, he brings what we need. That is what we're called. If we are waiting on God, when we wait on God, we are serving God. In the meantime, while we're waiting, we are called to serve. We are called uh, to live our life um, uh, as a service to God in the meantime. In other words, what are we doing to serve God while we're waiting for him to do what he has promised? If we are not serving, then we are not really waiting. Um, I love the verse that it says, those who wait on the Lord will rise up with wings. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Well, you see, they're not just sitting there. If we're waiting on the Lord, it says you're going to be running. You're going to be serving. You're going to be doing things, but you're not going to faint because if you're waiting on me, I'll give you the strength until it happens. So we need to say, I will wait, but I will rise up and I will run for you, God, and I will walk and I will do the things that you have put in front of me while I'm waiting. I'm going to serve you with all my heart. I'm going to tell you, the more you serve God while you're waiting, even though you still have questions, And I know even though when we are still struggling, we're embracing God, we are struggling, but part of the struggle and the wrestle with God is to just, in the meantime, we're going to go day by day, and I'm going to serve God, I'm going to serve one another, I'm going to serve the body, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Um, It is, God said, you can wait because there is a, a specific time. You see, God knows right at the right time to do things. It's just like when Jesus came, it said it was at the fullness of time, it was right at the right time that God brought Jesus. Everything that God has, it has a specific time. And if it comes too early, it's not going to be good. If it comes too late, there's going to be hurt. Think about uh, a mother waiting for a child. You don't want that child to come too early, or some things may not be... uh, uh, Formed yet in its fullness. You don't want it to come too late or there can be complications and there can be uh, pain and, and hurt to the mother. There's the right time. God has an appointed time. And I'm going to tell you, at the right time, there is no one that's going to bring it earlier and there's no one going to stop it from coming later. So you need to, we need to trust God and wait on him and serve him knowing that it's coming at the right time. And here's the great promise. This is what he says. He goes on in chapter 2, right after where we've read. 
He says, here's the thing. At the right time, this is what you've been waiting. I promise you I will make it right. I hear your, your cries of unfairness. I understand that it's not fair, but I will make it right. There's a coming a time. God is never, even though it seems unfair, it always works out right. God says, I will make it right. In fact, he says, and we won't read through all of it, um, uh, but if you uh, uh, read through the next parts of the um, uh, chapter there, he says uh, that I am going to bring against the Babylonians all that they have uh, earned. Uh, in fact, there's five, or there's six, five woes, I'm sorry, five woes that he gives about in verse six, uh, Habakkuk 2, verse six, God says, I'm going to come against everyone that has stolen things that were not their, theirs. He says, the thieves will be repaid for what they have done. They have piled up stolen goods. You're going to get what you deserve. In verse 9, he says, I'm going to come against all the cheaters. He says, Habakkuk, you're tired that people have cheated you out, deceived you? Well, I'm going to come against all of those who have deceived, who have built realms of unjust gain. He says, I see what's going on. I know it's unfair, but I'm going to make it right. In verse 12, he says, I'm going to come against all the violence that you are questioning right now, Habakkuk. I know you're questioning it, but I see it. Just wait. Just wait. I'm going to bring it back on them. And, and he says, those that live by violence, they will experience violence and, and they will be taken care of. In verse 15, you know what? He talks to the partiers. Habakkuk says, you know, everyone else is happy and having a good time. And I'm suffering. Why does everyone else, the evil people, are enjoying life as if it's a party? God says, don't worry. I will bring retribution to them. Those who give drink to the neighbors, those that pull other people into their, their uh, uh, partying, they will respond for what they've done. And then the final thing in verse 19, uh, he says, I will come against all the idolaters, those who build things of wood and, and they say, come to life. Now you might say, none of us build idols, but you know what he's saying? He says, those that, that say, this, this thing in my life is going to be what satisfies me. That's an idolatry. People who love money, people who love their family, many times their family becomes an idol. That's where they find satisfaction. God says, there's coming a day where the idolaters will be taken care of. So God says, wait for it. I know you don't see it, but I am faithful and I am just. Now, in the meantime, here's the thing. The reason why it's not coming, because some of those cheaters and deceivers and idolaters and violent people, God is going to be able to redeem them and change their hearts if they will come to him. But those that don't, they will receive the justness of God. And with that being said, we go back, let's go back to chapter to verse 4 in chapter 2. He says this, Behold the proud. He lumps all the Babylonians and all of them into this. The proud, his soul is not upright in him. He's saying the proud, those that are not upright, those that are wicked, that are seeking their own way, I know where they are. But he says this, But the just or the righteous 
will live by faith. This is probably one of the greatest verses in Habakkuk that people quote, that the righteous will live by faith. What is faith? Faith is trust. It's waiting. You see, I know, he's saying, I know those who have questions. I know those that have been unfairly uh, burdened in life. But you just have faith because I see you. You see, this is a recognition that Habakkuk, I see you. I know you. And if you will just live by faith, you just trust me. It means waiting. You see, faith without waiting is not faith. You don't need faith. You already have it. Faith is, is the substance of things not yet seen, is what it says in Hebrews. So you have to wait for it. You have to just trust it. God says the righteous will live by faith. Now that word righteous does not mean the people that do what's right. Righteous is a relational word. It says those people who are right with me. Righteousness, uh, see, you can have different kinds of righteousness. It says people have their own self-righteousness. But when he speaks of righteousness, he's speaking of people who have a heart after God, who is willing to embrace God, who wants God to lead them in the promises that he has. Those righteous will live by faith. But faith is not always hard. It's not always easy. As we live by faith, as we trust in God and wait for God, the promise is true. The promise, when it comes, uh, it's going to be here. I want to be found as the righteous person, not as the prideful person. Not as the person who is living for myself. But if we will be the people who have faith, we have this hope. And we close it with this. There's three words. Because in the meantime, while you're living by faith, you know what? Like I said, there's no easy answer. You're still in pain. There's still no answer. But here's... Here's the final verse of chapter two when he's been waiting and waiting. What do you do when you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting? I'm tired of waiting. You know what? I'm trying to live by faith. I'm, I'm trying to seek God, but I've been waiting. He says this, but the Lord. Don't you remember those three words? But the Lord. No longer, no matter how long you wait, when you're in the middle of waiting, I want you to remember this, but the Lord. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keeps silent before him. You know what he's saying? I'm tired of waiting. I've been wondering, now I'm waiting. But the Lord is in his temple. In other words, the Lord is still in control. He knows what's going on. When I'm tired of waiting, but the Lord, the Lord is not asleep. He's not forgotten. He is in his temple. He is on his throne. But the Lord knows what he's doing. But the Lord is at work in my heart. But the Lord is still with me. You see, when, when you are in the middle of waiting, I want you to remember, but the Lord is still there. And his promise is true. We just wait on it. Let's pray together.